Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. WNBC. It's raining Jimbo's from out in the sky. Jimbo's, no need to ask why. Just open your wallet and close your eyes. It's raining Jimbo's. It's raining Jimbo's. Out in the street. Hello and welcome back to We've Never Been Clicked. This is Cuppy Cup, and today I'm joined, as always, by Jay Arnold. How are you, Jay? Doing good. How are you? Um, I'm okay. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that, that difficult line, line of questioning. Wow. Tom Herman Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, uh, for the first time, unless you were on season one, Jimmy, I can't remember, uh, for the first time ever on WNBC, we have Jimmy Guards. Howdy, Jimmy. What up, what up? Howdy. I, too, am okay. (laughs) But you knew right off the bat. I had to think about it a bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're just checking in to see how you were really feeling. I was. I was was taking my pulse. And I don't want uh, anyone to be confused. Jimmy is not what you might call a guest. Jimmy's more of a a co-host. So we have we have three hosts, which <laughs> which which many many great podcasts have have three hosts. So we're going to see how this works, and you may never hear from Jimmy again. The as as we do in every show, we're going to start with Johnny Talk um, because Johnny Manziel was was in the news today, and during a a very slow part of the off season, he actually was probably trending on Twitter today because he had a press conference. Johnny, if you don't already know, was traded from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, where, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he took a single snap, and he was traded to the Montreal Alouettes. Are you, uh, are you all up to speed on this? Are you excited? Did you, did you care in the first place that Johnny was in the CFL? I mean, I definitely want Johnny to do well, but it's hard for me to be highly invested in the CFL until the Grey Cup happens again and we get to see Shania Twain right out at a halftime to perform on a dog sled. Mm. Mm-hmm. Does anyone – what mm-hmm. What about you, Jimmy? Have you ever watched the CFL? Uh, a little bit. It's um, We're kind of in a uh, lull if you like to put a little action down on games. Sure, there's baseball, but uh, uh, I encourage the uh, degenerate gamblers out there to throw a couple uh, loonies on the Canadians um, <laughs> every now and then. It uh, makes – Makes for the uh, dog days of summer in Texas to be a little bit uh, better. But, uh, you know, I like everybody. I want the best for Johnny. Hopefully this is uh, an opportunity for him to get some action. And uh, uh, what I would hope that, I mean, this is talking big picture. What I wish would happen with the CFL is that it would turn into more of a minor league for football in some sort so that they would be, essentially um, farm teams for NFL 
franchises. And so that uh, some of these quarterbacks could de- uh, develop over the summer and then, um, you know, uh, an NFL team could still own their rights. I just think that'd make a lot of sense. And I think it would uh, drum up a lot of interest in uh, the United States. So I know that wasn't the topic Johnny was, but I've just been uh, <laughs> kind of thinking about the CFL deal recently and, um, yeah, they would have to get rid of like the endless, the infinity football field and the, uh, their other quirky rules. But, uh, you know, Canada, you guys always assimilate to our culture. So let's just uh, continue on with that. Yeah, I support anything that will get people to care about Canadians outside of hockey season. That would, that would really Amen. put the Canadians in their place too, which is probably the most important thing. <laughs> yeah and they're way too polite to get verbal about it they'll just like kind of seethe until they're dead <laughs> and the uh am i wrong in saying that doug flutie and kurt warner are the only people who who anyone remembers who came from the cfl into the nfl i think kurt warner may have been arena league i could be wrong on that but i think doug flutie was definitely canadian yeah and Warren, Warren Moon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Warren Moon. Since we're in Houston. Yeah, I forget who he played for. I, <laughs> um, I have a uh, confession. I thought Arena League and CFL might be the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're both kind of off-brand football, so that's fair. <laughs> they're exactly the same, but the Canadians can't afford roofs. So, but other than that, they're exactly the same. And I guess Arena League can't afford a full-size field. That's correct. Oh, that's right. They have the tiny <laughs> field. The uh, yeah. Does anyone have, know they have boards? Without cheating, does anyone know what an alouette is? It's a lark. Like a uh, what's a lark? Like a bird like the lark. Bird. Yeah. It do, is. How do you know that? Just from being a hockey fan. Uh, because of the French Canadian nursery rhyme, and I looked it up and learned it. I thought Alouette was French for Aggie. I mean, we can go with that. We just edited out my part, actually. <laughs> no, I, 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 I like factual, uh, factual content. So a lark, I, I'm, I'm down. I thought a lark was like what Zach Morris did in every episode of Saved by the Bell. It's like you go on some uh, run of mischief and get all your friends in trouble. Yeah, like a jag. That was, that was like some maybe too nerdy for a podcast joking there. I don't know. No, we, we appreciate the grammar <laughs> jokes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the CFL. The uh, So Mike Sherman is the coach of the Alouettes, and he just recently made, not headlines, but whatever you call it when when something ridiculous pops up on Twitter constantly, uh, he was like, he have, became a meme. Yeah. He became a meme. <laughs> there you go. He was, he was wrestling with his headset and ended up like pulling his shirt at least three quarters of the way off his body, trying to untangle himself in a rage. So are you excited about this, this part of the story reuniting Johnny and, and big Mike? Well, I never had the experience to really watch Mike Sherman coach at A&M as a fan. Uh, we didn't either, really. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I guess I'm excited just for Johnny to get playing time. 
and it seems like Mike Sherman actually wants to play him. So I support it wholeheartedly, even with the becoming a meme. And side note, uh, the Alouettes are, I think, one of the worst teams in the CFL. So Johnny definitely is going to be playing. They do have the league's worst offense, so that's always exciting. Maybe Johnny can do the Iron Man thing and, and play safety to fulfill that. I guess that was kind of a meme as well. The uh, Mac Brown recruit as a safety meme. Oh, man. It's still so fresh and so good. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think it'll ever die. I'm only using it like once a month now. Back off. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I gotta, I, I gotta stick up for Mike Sherman a little bit. Like people have been kind of shitting on him on Twitter and yeah, the meme and all that, but I'm talking about Aggies who are dragging him for, you know, he's the, the last guy who didn't start Johnny, as, you know, as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who's to say Johnny was ready to go as a true freshman, you know, he might've needed a, a year on the bench to learn a few things and grow up a little bit. And Mike Sherman gave Sumlin a lot of really good football players that went into Tuscaloosa and uh, won the biggest football game in the last 20 years for Texas A&M. I know Sherman didn't win that game, but like, lay off of Mike Sherman. He was fine. That's uh, directed at cool hand underscore Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Hey, you know what? You know what Mike Sherman did? He made Ryan Tannehill an all-conference football player at quarterback and wide receiver. But now that we're on A&M quarterbacks, I feel like we have our first natural segue of the season. Um, so the, the odds were released on A&M starting quarterback this season by an organization which I'm, I'm very confident is offshore called BetDSI. And the the money line is Starkle, the favorite, minus 300, and Mond, the underdog, at plus 210. So first, I think, Jimmy, since you're you're our resident um, degenerate gambler, can you explain the money line to us a little bit? Yes, I'd be happy to. So uh, if you believe that Nick Starkle will be the starting quarterback, you would need to lay $300 to win a hundred dollars or three dollars to win one dollar uh what did you say it was for mond plus 200 210 210 okay plus 210 so uh if you put a one dollar bet on uh kellen mond you would win two dollars and ten cents or a hundred dollar bet would net or yield uh rather two hundred and ten dollars um so pretty uh Minus 300 for Starkle, that is uh, that's a huge favorite to win the job. Uh, I'm not – I think who I want to be the starting quarterback and uh, who I would bet on are two very different things. Like, I'd bet on Starkle just because I think uh, Jimbo Fisher wants to uh, install his pro-style offense and Starkle is kind of that guy, and uh, he ended the season. and um, But – I don't know, man. I, I want to see more out of Mond. I feel like Mond has uh, has a really high ceiling, and we've just started to scratch the surface. So I expect both of them to get a lot of playing time, but uh, uh, Starkle to come out as a starter. What say you, Jay Arnold? Yeah, I'm also on the Starkle boat. I think he's going to end up being the starter. But like you said, Mond presents 
a lot of things that uh, Stargold doesn't necessarily have. He can make defenses second-guess themselves. You know, he's a guy that presents a dual-threat opportunity. You know, there's some other things he could mix into the offense, uh, like your read option, uh, some more rollout action. I mean, he can he can do a lot of different stuff that Starkle may not necessarily be able to do. But I think you're right. I think because Jimbo Fisher wants that pro-style offense, that Starkle fits a lot better there. You having played defensive line, what are the differences throughout the course of a game playing versus a Mon type versus a Starkle where uh, or do you just wear down much quicker as a uh, defensive player in the front seven having to account for a guy like Kellen Mond uh, as opposed to Starkle or is it uh, just kind of a matter of personal preference which you'd rather play against? No, I feel like with a dual threat quarterback, the big thing isn't necessarily wearing down, but it's having to play more conservatively in the front seven. You really have to be aware of your lanes and try to keep the quarterback contained. With a pocket passer, it's it's much easier. You don't have to be necessarily as conservative with your pass rush, and you can really attempt to to pressure the passer a little bit more. Yeah, pin the ears back, as they say. Yeah, that's one of those big coach speak things. Pin your ears back, go get the quarterback. (laughs) And you may have seen that Clemson, who I think is our week two opponent, uh, on the, the ACC all-conference first team, the, the entire defensive line was made up of Clemson players. So <laughs> with that information in your pocket, Mon starts to look pretty good, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or they're just both going to have to play because someone, someone's getting hurt. Right. Oh, that's sad. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> sorry. Thoughts and prayers, quarterback. That is one depressing thing about the tough September schedule. It's like, how banged up are we going to be going into October uh, when we have the, the winnable games? Very banged up. Jimmy, I, I am like starting to embrace the gambling stuff now that it's legal, since you know I'm on the straight and narrow. Um, I learned how to calculate the implied probabilities based on the money line. So Starkle, the implied probability of starting on the minus 375% and Mond at plus 210 is like 32%. Obviously they don't add up to a hundred percent because Vegas, you know, does things like that uh, so that they can make a lot of mo- make a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to throw my uh, wife's money into the ring and, and, and see if I can make it into more money for, for the family. It's a very noble hobby. There's uh, literally no <laughs> downside. It's uh, uh, probably one of the safest side hustles you can get into. So um, actually, that's, uh, that's all entirely <laughs> false. If you, think you know, if you think you know a lot about college football, try to throw some action down on some games uh, every single week. Pick five games uh, every single week for the entire season. And it will be a very, very humbling experience. (laughs) Vegas uh, knows what they're doing. I'll just put it that way. That's kind of like me when I go into the casino and play roulette because it has the best odds in the house, right? (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) We will be your financial advisors, listeners. (laughs) I like to go into the casino and play 
basic strategy at the blackjack table. And then, you know, 500 hours later when I'm leaving, I'm like, wow, that was actually kind of boring. <laughs> it's like there's your decision <laughs> yeah. is basically made by a very rigid guide on what to do. I don't know. Yeah, you're like, a bot could have done this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, a bot could have done it much better, and that's that's humbling. <laughs> that's what we need is a cubby bot. <laughs> and now they will... Uh, <laughs> they'll let play... Well, follow Aggie at Aggie Update. The um, Now Vegas will let you... Maybe they always did. You can like bring your basic strategy cards and papers. I've seen elderly people do this, where they just look at a card to make their decision for them, which is even less fun than the memorizing basic strategy, I imagine. Yeah, there's something deeply, deeply depressing about those cards. <laughs> and Vegas <laughs> altogether, really. I love the people in Vegas that have been out there gambling since people were running the elevators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all weathered yeah. from the desert and cigarettes. And from Houston, that sounds like kind of a glamorous thing. Like you, you had a big win early on, and then you just stayed out in Vegas and and became a professional gambler. And then you talk to one of these people for three minutes, and you just want to kill them and yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it's like being a Vegas Golden Knights fan. That's right. Gosh, I love Jay because he loves hockey. Yeah, this is I'm I'm going to slowly get pushed out of this show and I'm OK with that. Beautiful. I really am. Nothing, nothing better than hockey season. Since we're right, since we're friend. firing, we're really clicking on the segues. I think since we're hating on a city of Las Vegas, we should jump into some some Houston, Texas talk because uh, Jay, you just moved to Houston and and our friend Julianne on Twitter um, wanted to know. I don't think she cares what the transition was like, but what, what, what's your impression of Houston? I know you're not like completely new to the city, but you're, you're living here for the first time. Yes, this is uh, my first time living in Houston. And that's pretty interesting. What's it like? I took a shower last Monday and by the time I got home from work on Friday, I still wasn't dry. That's how humid (laughs) it is here. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> I know everyone listening to this show, or most of the people, are probably in Texas, so I hate to complain about the weather. But Houston, I think, kind of like takes it up a notch because of the humidity. It really is a situation where you don't want to leave your house for at least three consecutive months. And I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm generally not a fan of leaving my house anyway, but... <laughs> Especially with this humidity and the heat here, it's just brutal. And how's your experience otherwise? So there was a there was an article, um, which a a better a better podcaster would have would have pulled up. Um, but it, Houston was named by uh, some arbitrary research group the most stress laden city in Texas. So are you finding this to be a stressful place to live? Yeah, uh, I know I mentioned earlier on Twitter that driving on 610 is like playing in a public lobby on NASCAR Heat 2. And the reason I say that is because when you play NASCAR Heat 2 on a public lobby online, uh, you have people going the wrong way trying to wreck you. And that's kind of what it feels like driving on the highways in Houston. 
one of the interesting things about this article, which is from the Houston Chronicle about Houston being the most stressed city, is that they have a slideshow. Uh, that alone is kind of interesting because I thought slideshows died um, about three years ago. But they have a they have a 25 image slideshow of Houston's best stress relief spots. And all three of us live in oh Houston. Boy. So I think I think we, I think we need to give some of these a whirl. And none of them are strip clubs, by the way. Um, the number oh, that's refreshing. The number one stress relief spot is a rage room and it's called tantrums and it's Houston's premier rage room. You rent a room full of breakable things and trash it. Have you heard of this or participated in this or, or do you want to? This sounds like a very millennial concept. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I actually moved, I moved to Houston four years ago um, this month actually. And right when I moved to Houston, oil went from, Whatever it was, a hundred dollars a barrel down to like twenty dollars a barrel. The within weeks of me moving there, and that's when these rage rooms um, uh, kind of came out of the ashes because everyone was so depressed. Uh, Houston was coming off huge, huge boom years, and um, all of a sudden, slumberjay. These layoffs were crazy. Oil companies are nuts. They like they overhire in so many big ways and. So, you know, every day you'd pick up the paper, you know, get online and there'd be a thousand people laid off here, thousand people laid off there. And uh, so the fact that so many people work in oil and gas, I could see that being stressful. And then, yeah, there was these places you could go and uh, take a baseball bat to like a printer, like an office space or throw a hatchet into the wall or um, I've never done it myself, but uh you know, I, I'll give Houston Houstonians this. They are very entrepreneurial. It's a um, it's an intensely capitalist city, uh, for better and for worse. I was talking to a guy from New York, and he's like, everyone thinks of New York as you know the financial hub of the entire world, and it is in many ways. But he said, no one is more capitalist than Houston, and it's true. I mean, there's like very little government oversight on anything. Um, there's very little thought put into the long-term effects of some pretty big decisions. It's kind of like, get what you can get right now. We're going to consume a lot of shit. We're going to burn a lot of gas. We're going to be the most air conditioned city. It's just like consumerism on steroids all the time. So um, there's some great things about that. And then there's some things about that, that, hmm, Maybe not the best long-term plan. Well, I guess that makes sense. Uh, capitalism in Houston gives us rage rooms, and socialism in Seattle gives us grunge music to deal with stress. Mm, the yin to the yang. <laughs> you need both. You need both. <laughs> the, the, the photograph that they have for the rage room is an, an older woman swinging what looks like a hockey stick. Uh, just breaking like tons of plates and mugs. And sadly there's some stuffed animals, which I guess you can rip them apart and, and it makes you feel good. I'm going to, that would definitely work well for me. I'm going to start a sports themed rage room where it's like a bunch of Dallas shit just that you can, you can destroy (laughs) pictures of Jerry Jones. You just tear apart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the second, I'm not going to go through all 25 of these. So don't, don't, don't worry too much. But, but the second one I think is, is going to interest both of you because it takes place on ice. Uh, Houston has its own curling club 
that is always looking for new people. Okay, the thing I always wanted to know about curling is, are we allowed to drink while curling? That, this is the only question I need to answer. My, I'm going to answer that, even though I have no idea who these people are or, or what they do. Um, anything that calls itself a club allows drinking in, in my mind. All right, I'm saving Absolutely. up to join. Yeah, yeah. If, I'm in. I've done curling and I got, and I got loaded. So, yeah, as far yeah, as they, I'm concerned, uh, <laughs> it's, they, it's basically like it's basically cornhole, um, but you're it's it's a hybrid of cornhole, shuffleboard, and mm, kneeboarding on ice. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, blackouts are encouraged. <laughs> I mean, the Canadians invented it. I've always felt like it was like bowling, except you try to guide the ball down the actual lane and stay with it. Yeah, that's about right. That's exactly it. Have you ever done that in bowling? Uh, it, not on purpose. <laughs> the uh, They actually don't um, mention drinking on their homepage, so there's reason for concern for you, Jay, but I'd say look into it. Look, if they want to be real entrepreneurs, then they're going to need to allow alcohol at their curling club. Let's be yeah. honest here. <laughs> that's a very huge thing. And if not, thing. somebody's going to open a new one that will allow it. That's right. It'll be in a strip mall next to a mega church. <laughs> <laughs> the last one that I think is interesting, the, the most interesting ones are like the top five for obvious reasons, but the next one is Houston axe throwing where guests are taught how to throw axes with the greatest of ease and they allow beer and wine. Yes. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> so Jay, you want to get, you want to get loaded and go throw some axes? Yeah. I'm going to grow my beard out go full lumberjack and throw axes. It's going to be oh, glorious. I was thinking it seems like kind of a bad idea, the drinking and the axes, but I, you'd have, you'd probably have to be a pretty good distance away from somebody to do damage with, these axes i'm just assuming they're not like super sharp i could be wrong look buddy if you're gonna try and talk to texans about drinking and weapons <laughs> best of luck i feel like those are the two things we do best yeah <laughs> that does and seem about right and around houston with your gun and a beer and and many of the remaining entries are weapon related they have like an airsoft rifle place. Um, they have uh, Houston Sword Sports. Top golf. That that is stressful. I guess it's the yeah. drink. Golf thing. clubs are weapons, so yeah. it's weapons related. That's right. And batting cages. So anyway, that was that was a little uh, a little a little preview into the stress relievers that are eventually going to sponsor the show. I imagine next week it'll be will be presented by the Houston Axe Throwing Society. That would be a dream for me. <laughs> and before Dallas gets all haughty about this, about Houston being a real stressed out city, Dallas wasn't far behind uh, in the rankings either. So um, there's something about living in a scorching hot urban sprawl where you live in your car for a commute and um, have to stay indoors for uh, half the year due to uh, not wanting to melt into the pavement or get carried away by bugs. And also just the, uh, 
I don't know, man, like capitalism affords us a lot of comforts, but it's kind of stressful too. It's kind of like, it's like a never ending treadmill. I don't mean to like go off on a rant, you know, like a 30 something year old rant of, uh, it's just like, man, when does it end? (laughs) Yeah. So basically what you're getting at here is aliens. Okay. Yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> Take Jimmy away. If you're listening, aliens. <laughs> the, I, uh, there, there are some redeeming qualities uh, of Houston relative to not just other Texan cities I've been to and, and spent some time in, but also just other places I've lived, mostly Northeast and and thereabouts. Uh, but well, one is its proximity to Aggieland, which seems happy in the off season until the football actually begins. And, and then you're, uh-huh. you're just like, then you're, you know, you're filled with an overwhelming sense of dread when you realize that you're, you're about to play a team you, you just can't beat. Um, so that's a nice yeah. thing is being close to Aggieland. Another thing that I like is I think that not necessarily close to where I live in Houston, but if you're willing to drive about 20 minutes, there's some killer food here. And it's like, you know, every every ethnic group in the world is represented here in Houston. And they've all come here to open amazing restaurants. That's probably my favorite part of Houston. Yeah, I was talking to this really cool Pakistani guy the other day. And he was keying me in on the places I need to go to get some good Pakistani food. And I was like, Man, Houston's awesome. And I mean this as a as a very sincere uh comment about Houston and uh like I as if you couldn't tell already, I'm a white male, so take it with a grain of salt, a very white salt. But what I love about Houston is it doesn't seem to match a lot of the outrage that I see online. So there's like the hardcore outrage on one side and then the hardcore outrage on the other side and like they it just like so much dug in vitriol whereas when i go about my life in houston texas i see people from all over the world all sorts of different colors all sorts of different socioeconomic classes and because of like the lack of zoning everyone's just kind of living together everyone goes to the same stores same you know like everybody is just making it work together and uh generally people are they might be stressed but holy shit, people are just really friendly. And so it does not match all the um, depressing stuff that we see online these days. And I mean that as like the, a, a very high compliment to the, to the uh, citizens of Houston. It's a very welcoming place. Yeah, as much as we like to shit on Houston for being humid and having crazy traffic, it's really an awesome city. And it feels like, I mean, it really does feel like an incredible family. Uh, everybody yep. just kind of working together, and it's it's really a beautiful thing to see. And and this could be partly uh, attributed to potential sponsor Houston Axe Throwing because, you know, we take our rage out at the, the axe range instead of on each other. Mm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Rain and Jimbo's. Rain and Jimbo's. Beat or miss, please. It's Rain and Jimbo's Rain.